Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, you're listening to Abyss Gazing, a horror podcast where we celebrate all things spooky and mental health. I'm your co-host, Mark. I'm your co-host, Josh. And who do we have with us today, Josh? Uh, today we're joined by TikToker Ritz. I'm I'm just gonna say, I can't never pronounce her name. I want to say Bunula, <laughs> but I know that's not right. Uh, and I know that's Benicula, <laughs> and I know that's why Mark passed it over to me because <sighs> I suck with names. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, good. Good time. Mark. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you are. You're a horror TikToker, yes. and you create funny little sketches. So uh, I think the one of the most interesting things about any TikToker is the basic question of, like, how did you get started? Like, what was the inspiration to kind of create your brand of TikToks? Um, well, basically, I started uh, during the pandemic. So it was just a lot of time at home trying to entertain myself. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's how it kind of got started. Uh, just, I, I, it wasn't an app that I wasn't sure I was going to join because I'm not like a dancer. And I thought that's what that was specifically for. Um, so, uh, I was just kind of playing around and I started noticing that they, you can do lip syncs on there. Um, and me having like a theater background, I was like, oh, that'd be fun. I'm just going to play around and do that. Um, so I started that way and then I, um, decided to go into a niche that I haven't really been very open with before, which is horror. Cause just judging by how I look, like you wouldn't assume that I would be really into those kind of movies. Um, but I felt like TikTok was a safe place and everybody seemed very, um, welcoming, um, there so I was like I'm gonna give it a shot and see how it goes because a a lot of the times just I would have anxiety over just being perceived in a in a weird way that um you know a lot of people would think uh she doesn't know what she's doing or she's just doing that for attention um she's not knowledgeable in these movies and stuff like that so I just would be concerned on uh those kind of critiques but I was like screw it. I'm just going to put it out there and uh, see how it goes. And um, what worked for me was just doing a lot of lip syncs that I could kind of parody with 
uh, horror movies. So uh, that's how it got started. It's really interesting hearing you talk about like the the horror community because if you guys don't know, uh, like just from her channel, you're very like bubbly personality. You remind me of my of my friend Kelly, who is uh a great romance author that everyone should go check out. And yeah, go go check out our episode on clock we did whack when Mark was on leave of absence. Uh, but you know. I I still feel like I and I still say this all the time. Mark is the the more advanced of the two of us. He kind of grew up with horror. I just kind of got into it once I was an adult, and I had those like same like kind of like reservations about it to where it was kind of like I get it. Like people kind of gatekeep a little bit, but like I feel like horror is this like wide open like world and you have to kind of like find the niche that like allows you to kind of like welcome and for you i feel like at least from just watching being a fan of the, the channel it definitely seems like horror comedy is definitely kind of the place where you kind of seem to excel you guys if you guys are on yes. patreon you guys can see <laughs> the videos right now but she has elvira she has a uh playboy of the 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 cone heads behind her so like yes uh, Lots yeah. of different stuff. <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yes. So yeah, I kind of went into it that direction because I just was inspired, you know, Elvira. And then I would just add in like, who else, who other, um, uh, what's the word, like muses I could use. And it would be like Anna Nicole Smith and Pamela Anderson and um things in that nature uh, and just kind of turn it into like uh, a horror comedian in that sense. And um, that's just where I kind of live and excuse me, flourish in that realm. So, um, and yeah, and other places like up all night with uh, what's that? What's his name? Gilbert Gottfried and, I want to say, is it Rhonda? So it's, <laughs> so it's like people like that, that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is where I can kind of funnel my own personality into it. Uh, since like uh, with having ADHD, it's hard for me to just always retain a bunch of information. So just me going on and being um, like other uh, horror talk creators talk about movies. Uh, it's, difficult for me so i'm like i just gotta find a way to make this work with everything that i love and uh, i think it's working out i i'm really entertained by the channel so mark go ahead i was gonna say in all fairness elvira got a lot of people into horror and other things so it's understandable is yes. Elvira really what got you into it or was it a specific movie or um I've always been um I've always been interested in horror movies ever since I was a kid my parents weren't really big into that kind of genre but I was always kind of drawn to that section of like blockbuster or um five-star video or whatever I was always drawn to go over and see all the cover art and it was very intriguing and very enticing um so uh 
being a kid that like I wouldn't be allowed to rent those movies I would have to kind of wait till like the Halloween season and maybe something would be on television and I can maybe get a glimpse of that here and there um of course like Beetlejuice was a big thing for me as a kid that was probably my first horror-esque movie that I saw so I've always been just a big Beetlejuice fan and then like as I got older into middle school high school with like sleepovers and this and that I got more into seeing a lot more of the movies I haven't seen everything obviously but um yeah so now it's fun now as being 36 now I'm collecting a lot of the VHS covers that I was in love with as a kid and it's so it's very nostalgic for me but yes Elvira was another big inspiration from just like kind of seeing her on tv and uh commercials and things like that as a kid in the 90s yeah I'm glad that you brought up like Pamela Anderson and like Anna Nicole Smith who uh I definitely like see like a lot of those vibes like the it's really interesting like the I feel like the, the idea of like a blonde bombshell is kind of lost on our modern generation. And so like you have this like niche group of individuals and content creators that are kind of keeping that era alive. And Netflix is certainly pushing for that nostalgia with the two documentaries they've done on both of them this year. And mm-hmm. they've both been great documentaries um, but I, I really like that and like kind of like that idea of that world meeting horror. And I think what Elvira has really done and like even Joe Bob Briggs as well is that you've essentially aspired like, you know, in a, in a land now of content creation, you essentially have a million Joe Bob Briggs and a million Elvira's um, to kind of like also kind of give their spin on you know, classic horror movies like the one we're here to talk about today. Yeah, exactly. Frank and Hooker. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> look, I I will say that this is this was my pick for one. For two, uh, I know this is Lovecraft July, and this definitely has more in line with Mary Shelley. I definitely understand that now after uh our episode that we did a couple weeks ago on Reanimator, but Mark, this movie's fantastic. Like, <laughs> yeah, me and, Kate, <laughs> me and Kate were watching it last night. Like, how did we come up with Frank and Hooker being a Lovecraft-inspired movie when it's very clearly Frankenstein? Frankenstein. What was that? Young Frankenstein? They kept calling him Frankenstein. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah. I had never seen it. Kate had seen it when she was younger, and apparently that was her Halloween costume one year, which is amusing. That's um, amazing. <laughs> that is really awesome, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of the few times we've watched something that's not brand new that's a first time for me. Oh, man. Man, I popped that I popped that cherry and took that V-card. All right, let's go. <laughs> Uh, I, so, uh, Patty Mullen was actually at a convention that we covered a couple years ago and I had never seen this movie and really, really wanted to after, uh, kind of just hearing a lot of people, uh, that I interacted with that weekend being like, it's, it's such a funny comedy. And I sat down and watched it last year and, uh, 
this movie is so delightful. I literally I just bought it. Synapse put out a great Blu-ray of it. Um, the light up um like voice activated VHS copy is like one of my holy grails that I eventually would like to get. I love this movie. This movie is so goofy. It's so weird. And I think it's the first trauma movie we've we've actually covered on here. It might be. I do know that we turned around like immediately and watched um the Toxic Avenger. Because neither one of us had seen that either. But Britt, you were really excited to join us for this when I yes. when I pitched you the idea of it. I just uh, what what is your kind of relationship been with this movie? Um, I honestly I just watched it for the first time like last year or it might have been two years ago. I had never seen it before, and someone had recommended it, and so I bought it off of I think it was on well now it's on everything that's free like freebie and Tubi and stuff like that. Uh, I think I got off of Amazon and watched it and. I just fell in love with it. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> and it's so stupid. And it's so like B-side kind of movie. Um, but it was just everything that I am about. It was just cream of the crop for me. <laughs> it's that it it fall so it fell in that very odd category of horror. That's very extremely hit or miss for me. Like Terror Vision was this style movie and the way it's shot and everything's done. And I'm not a fan. And that that style is kind of hit or miss. So I wasn't sure once it got started, it's like, oh no, it's like it's it's that <laughs> style movie. So I wasn't sure, but it turned out to be so ridiculous that <laughs> I mean, you it's couldn't so help campy. I just love how campy it is. <laughs> it's so the effects are so bad, but it's so good at the same time. It's just can't get enough of it. Yeah, the, exactly. The very note. The first time I watched this, and uh, like I was like, okay, this is like this is a Frankenstein homage or like a parody, depending on how you look at it. And Jeffrey the thing where Jeffrey uh, meets with Zoro for the first time and he buys the crack off him and he's like, Oh, and he's like watching the TV at the same time. And he's like talking about how uh, like he's news report about like how like people are, you know, people are dying from crack cocaine and it's like becoming this epidemic. And he's like, it is, you know, they, we should be stopped. And then like the next thing, you know, like he's like invented super crack and it like blows up. And I just, at like that point, it was kind of like, Oh, okay. You, this is such a ridiculous concept. And then, then he gives, then the hookers find the super crack and it's like all downhill from there. One of the, the best parts of this movie is we love practical effects here. And I, I agree with you. I think that they look just astronomically terrible, but it's such a fun yes. scene. The way that like, and the way that they like continuously like, uh, I'm, I'll keep calling back to it. Like after Elizabeth is like risen and like every male suitor that she's with, like happens to also blow up in the same fashion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, 
it's it was yeah it was special it had (laughs) (laughs) it had the effects that we love but at the same time they were cheesy enough that it was like this is ridiculous but it was done well enough that it was this is kind of awesome so it was that nice blend of cheese and camp and over the top and fun and Frankenhookers. So. All right. <laughs> Look, well, before we get too like deep into this, can I like just like ask like when they were like pitching the idea for how the the antagonist of this movie and Zora was gonna look, they were like, if Hercules and Freddie Mercury <laughs> had an offspring, that's the idea of the character design we want. Because I mean. Like when he's like sitting there talking to the uh, to the clerk at the hotel and he's just like pacing back and forth. He's like, I, I need my girls. Where are they at? And like, I, I literally just could not see anything but like Freddie Mercury's Live Aid performance in that little pace that he does. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else got it, but like, that's what <laughs> I get every time I watch this movie. Yeah, I see that. It's like sweaty back but he's like muscly so yeah a little bit little freddie mercury right there <laughs> oh, yeah what are you talking zoro 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 what was his name yeah zoro, zoro man the pimp yeah it was so there were characters in the movie and i think he was one of them that had voiceovers that didn't fit the character and he might have been one of them and it was just it made his character even more ridiculous because he had like this like wimpy voice compared to being this giant. Did he really? I don't know if he was voiced over or that was his real voice. If it wasn't voiced over, I felt sorry for him. So there is a there is an arrow originally when this movie got a prestigious uh, Blu-ray like originally it was it was done by arrow synops just put out one this year and arrow had a like a mini making of like documentary um called your heads on a plate um and i tried so hard to find this making of featurette and could not find it anywhere so yeah. i am not surprised that there are just random facts out there like that <laughs> Here is one for you. Uh, when writer-director Frank uh, Helen Lauder, improv- he improvised the basic story at the pitch meeting. And after getting the green light from Troma to make the movie, that's when he went and wrote the script. If you or someone you know is listening to this podcast right now and you're struggling with suicide, addiction, self-harm, or depression, we encourage you guys to please reach out. This is the heartbeat of why we do what we do. Suicide is currently the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, and as of this recording, there are 132 suicides that take place each and every day on American soil. And when you scale back internationally, there are 800,000 successful suicides. That is one death roughly every 40 seconds. So if you or someone you know is struggling, you guys can go to victimsandvillains.net forward slash hope. That resource is going to be right in the description wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this. There you'll find resources that include the National Suicide 
Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255. You can also text HELP to 741-741. We also have a plethora of other resources, including churches, getting connected with counselors, LGBT resources like the Trevor Project, and also Veteran Hotline as well. Please, if you hear nothing else in the show, understand that you, yes, you listening to this right now, have value and worth. We get it. Suicide, depression, mental health, these are hard topics, and the stigma around them doesn't make it any easier. But please, consider the resources right in the descriptions below, wherever you guys are listening, because... Once again, you have value and you have worth, so please stay with us. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I heard about that. (laughs) One of the hookers was actually a porn star. You know, that doesn't surprise me. Actually, all of the hookers were strippers from a topless bar because no one on Union (laughs) wanted to show that much nudity. So he just went over and got a bunch of strippers to play that part. And then SAG gave them all um, Union. Well, they have so many um, actors and actresses end up starting in horror and cheesy horror and they're running the opening credits and it listed one name i was like oh i can't believe she was in this and my wife looked at me was like who and i was like uh, i think the name was like helen hunter or something like that helen hunter and i pulled it up and i was like that's not who i thought it was and it's like she's a stripper and a rapper and all this other stuff and it was like, <laughs> that's definitely and I was like, oh, this is the actress I was thinking of. Never mind. It just <laughs> felt dumb. It's like, yeah, great times. <laughs> I could not see Helen Hunt being in a movie like this. This seems a little bit too uh too high too low brow for her. I think it was uh, Heather Heather Hunter, I think was the name. Something like that. But I pulled it up and it was like porn star and rapper. And it's like, what? <laughs> That's yeah, you didn't know. That's not the actress I was thinking of at all. <laughs> yeah, I think Patty Mullen was like penthouse pet she... of 86 before she did this movie. So uh I believe she was she was penthouse, I if I remember correctly. But like ever since this movie came out, like this has been like her like claim to fame. Like yes. when you look, when you Google Patty uh, Mullen now, like the majority of the images that come up are her 
from either this movie or like her dressed up as in the character in the makeup from like conventions panels uh like guests on like podcasts like i mean she genuinely loves this movie and like from the very like limited like trivia i could find about this movie apparently making this movie was like literal hell and he went through some of the worst of it initially yeah okay so she deserves better (laughs) um but yeah i I think go ahead mark can we talk what was it what was the guy's name frank franken jeffrey jeffrey franken yeah which i i didn't catch that the first time i saw that well me either even well I mean, if you want to get into that, uh, Frank, uh, the Bride of Frankenstein's name was also Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> really amazing. I do That's know amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but where did the idea of him getting ideas and working out plans by drilling into his head come from? I don't know. I don't really know either. Like to me, I've like seen there's it a few times, and I don't know. There's there's a portion of this movie that like it's an obvious like Frankenstein like uh parody, but there's also like elements of it that like remind me of Pet Cemetery, where like you know if you bury it in the ground, it doesn't come back the way that you wanted it. So like basically buries her, and she comes back got any money <laughs> looking for some action <laughs> want a date oh and the jersey accent it's amazing god help us all the jersey accent <laughs> that's what makes this one i feel like without it like it wouldn't be as memorable though like no. jersey accents are like so distinct and like you know given how kind of lucky uh frank uh Lauder like came into this production like i don't think that it would be the same had i don't think it would have the lasting impact it would have if it wasn't for the accent i agree i think it just makes it even more interesting and fun i I have things I want to say, but I may piss off audience, so I can't. <sighs> Why do we have Mark. to watch movies like this? Mark, it's okay <laughs> to have thoughts, man. You know, we live we live in the land of the free, so share your thoughts. Share your we thoughts. Do, but I mean, it's it's one of the, the, the Jersey accent is like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> Also, I can edit this out just so you are aware. So <laughs> if it's too offensive, I'll make the call and I'll edit it out. <laughs> if you feel you're going to lose friends. <sighs> oh, it wouldn't be the first time I've done something like that. <laughs> uh, no, it's so the Jersey accent bugs the crap out of me. And it's like nails on a chalkboard. And it, the home and it would come and go with some of the characters. You'd hear one character talking like a normal human being, and then like two minutes later, they had a Jersey accent for like three sentences, and then they didn't, 
and it was just back and forth and yeah so i think the reason what that is is i think that a large portion of this cast is a mixture this is supposed to be like new york is where i yeah. take it and like new york is really close to jersey so much so that like when we've done New York Comic Con in the past, some of us have actually stayed in Jersey and then just took in the bridge over. Um, and like I, I think a great kind of sequence to like talk about specifically that like backs that up is the scene where Jeffrey comes in and he pulls up next to the subway entrance and like he's going to like talk to people in the street about like if they had find Elizabeth, like that is to a T like what New York looks like at night. Um, so that's the reason why I think you have those accents kind of coming and going. I've never been to New York. I don't it's a have great place. I don't have any <laughs> desire to go to New York. I mean, I did just move to Mississippi, so that might explain a lot. Middle of nowhere. <laughs> also, too, my not, not quite close. But not quite. The closest grocery store is a Piggly Wiggly. So, and that's like 15 minutes away. Or it's 10 of it's getting out of the neighborhood. So, yeah. It's not bad. It's um, nice. One of the things that I, I think this film, you know, addresses very early on, I, I joked about this before uh, coming into recording, is the... There is some depth to this movie. Like it's not just like a slapstick kind of horror comedy. But one of the things that you see like very early on is uh, Patty's introduction, like kind of how she, uh, Patty Mullen's character, Elizabeth, and how specifically she interacts with her family uh, to the point where like they comment on like her weight. Um, you know, she says, you know, for your own good, lay off the pretzels. Uh, and then they kind of parody that moment later on when she goes to the bar to find Zorro. And uh, I love pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think this movie, like, I think there had it has a little bit more merit than just your average horror comedy from that because I think that it fat shaming or even body shaming period is something that. Kind of can get overlooked. It's not something that we've talked about a whole lot in the content that we do creating mental health and pop culture specifically. Um, but even to the way that like society and how they look specifically at women. Um, and if you've seen this movie, then you know that Patty Mullen is a very kind of petite, uh, more size and so I'm just kind of curious on specifically of, of how what your guys' thoughts are on like how this movie uses body shaming, um, you know, as a whole, because I'm also like the whole drive uh, of Jeffries to kind of quote, create the perfect woman. So like as he's like assembling her together, like. He's going through the legs and like saying, oh, no, this isn't this isn't the correct one or like he's going through the breasts and saying, oh, there's something's wrong with this. Something's wrong with that. Um, this one's just right. Like, you know, what makes a body type, quote unquote, perfect? 
Well, something to consider with that is he talks about, oh, we're going to get married. She mentions it too. We're going to get married and we love each other and all this other stuff. But then he goes on to about after she dies, I'm going to create the perfect woman and starts replacing the things that essentially would have been shamed into what the picture perfect idea would have been so yeah you hear he... a lot in that opening where he's yeah. kind of going over the map and then it just starts kind of ripping into imperfections that she might have that he isn't into like a mole or um the problem area which i'm assuming were her thighs i mean she's not fat in the <laughs> in the beginning i mean yeah she's had a body but she's not fat like i don't consider that being overweight um i'm plus size so seeing that and being been like it was a little it's a little annoying to be like oh, okay that's what they were considering just heavy um well that's also think it's interesting too like you know bringing back up the era of when this movie took place and we talked about yes. earlier about specifically bringing up like 90s bombshells of Pamela Anderson and um and Nicole Smith and one of the things that uh the those Netflix documentaries touched on earlier this year is how there was this like expectation back in that time and I think I think we were a little bit more accepting of it now because of platforms like Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, um OnlyFans, so on and so forth where body positivity is really embraced but in that time period especially the time that this movie came out and especially with patty mullen having a background with hustler it is very much like you had to have the petite waist and large bust and kind of very curvy legs almost kind of kind of like i guess like betty page is like kind of the best picture i could put to that kind of what we would classify as quote the all-american um the girl of what you would what you would look to it's like if you didn't look like that then you were labeled that or you were shamed because of it and you had these very unrealistic expectations and my wife has kind of talked about uh, that also like how that has impacted her mental health um and I'll even be as vulnerable as to say is that like body dysphoria is also something that like I've struggled with. I haven't shared that a whole lot, but it's definitely something that like looking at society and like what needs to happen, like it's definitely something that is like messed with my mental health a time or two. Well, by today's standards, Betty Page and Marilyn Monroe would be plus size. They yes. Would. So but that's idea. Yes, but that's 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 demonstrating our our growth. Um, but this movie is very much a, a, a snapshot of its time frame in the expectations of what women should look like, and those expectations birthed an entire generation of women that grew up thinking that if I don't look like this model, then I'm I'm fat, and you're you're probably not nine times out of ten. Yes, um, yeah, definitely. Growing up in 
the 90s, early 2000s was like, it was hard. So even now where it's a lot more accepting, it's yeah, I do struggle a lot with body, body dysmorphia and just can't get to a level of confidence um, where I'm glad to see younger generations are more embracing uh, with their bodies. But yeah, it was, it's difficult. It was difficult to kind of grow up and the images that you see on TV and in movies. And it was just, that was the beauty standards then so even now it's like I still struggle with um if I'm meeting those expectations at the same time we we look at it and we talk about the topic uh primarily in reference to women but how often do we see guys per uh portrayed as giant muscle-bound beasts and how many guys are actually like that? And you hear uh, people talk now that that's uh, the preferred thing. And you see the interviews with with these people talking about they're looking for guys that are this size and built and this and that. So it applies both ways. It's just generally only talked mainly about with females. It does. And that's why I brought I up like my own struggle with it and like how it's like impacted me. And I think, I think to it, even like a lesser extent, you see it here with Jeffrey to where they are, when they cast this movie, they're really leaning into that same mad scientist uh, body type that we, we saw explored with Herbert West character in uh, reanimator to where He's kind of tall, he's lanky, he's just kind of like socially awkward. And then the villain of the movie has to be this really big buff guy. Um, and you see that with, with Zorro. And I think for me, like I grew up in an era where I read comic books growing up all the time. And so like that probably didn't help my idea of like what a man should be because like when you're at the grocery store with like, you know, just looking, uh, checking out, like, I mean, you see it like all the time, like uh, it, Henry Cavill's recently on the, the cover of uh Rolling Stone. And like, I mean, dude's just like just absolutely jacked. And that is kind of like the expectation that a lot, like Mark was saying that like was expected for guys. Um, it's not until I think more recently where you have the idea of like the dad bod kind of coming into uh, the public consciousness or conversation that we've really started to embrace um, the idea of all shapes and sizes are beautiful. Yeah, I agree on that. How would you guys like to help us get mental health resources into schools, conventions, and other events? Well, now you can simply go to patreon.com forward slash victims and villains for as little as $1 a month. You guys can help us get mental health resources into current and upcoming generations, educate and break down stigma surrounding mental health, suicide and depression. And you get exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else. And you guys can tell us which Nicolas Cage movie you want us to cover and we'll do it. All it takes to get started is to go to patreon.com forward slash victims and villains 
or simply click the link in the episode description wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this episode. Pick your tier and get started today. Yes, it's that simple. So quickly select the tier that you want and help us get hope into the hands of the depressed and the suicidal today. Yeah, I was always growing up, I was always pushing six foot and like a buck 20 soaking wet. It wasn't until I got into my 30s that I actually finally was able to put on weight. And then I kind of blew up over the last few years. So it's for me, it's I've never really fit any of those body types. And I always got picked on and harassed for it being couldn't really play sports and didn't look like what everybody wanted. If I had a date, it's because I had to work for it. <laughs> couldn't go yeah. out and flex and pick up any chicken sight. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that 100%. Like, that's how I was, man. Like, I, I was, and, like, now I feel like I'm a little, I'm more comfortable because, like, in high school, I always kind of felt like I was trying to like fit the mold of everyone, but now I'm tatted up. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gothic freaking weirdo that, you know, is in touch with like his feminine side, but like also like, you know, spends his time, you know, watching horror movies and, and doing, uh, you know, just things that I, I love and things that I'm passionate about. And, uh, it took me a long time to kind of really be comfortable in that. And I feel like those societal expectations just kind of started to drift away, like probably a few years ago. And so I, I returned back to this notion of this idea of how much damage growing up with those expectations really have on you. I mean, like all three of us here have kind of talked about it, but there's an entire generation of kids that grew up in the 80s and the 90s and even the early 2000s that like are still to this day struggling with this idea of of the perfect body image quote unquote yeah i agree with you on um just like in this last year i've been kind of getting a lot more comfortable with myself and just being expressively who i am and how i look and I'm 5'10". I'm a giant woman. So just you take it or leave it. This is just who I am. And it's it's coming in doses to where I'm starting to feel more um, truly authentically myself and comfortable with my appearance and all of that. So I, I guess like I want to also like just kind of jumping off of that, ask this question of like, I know for me, like, I mostly like feel like I'm in a better place because I'm like more comfortable. But then, like, also I have these, I definitely have these like step back days where like I just feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive. Like I am too fat. Like Mark, you can make make fun of me because. You do all you that tell, all the time. Are you telling me I'm too fat and you're just no. tall? No, you're, because you're the last tall. time, the last time that I said that I I was I had like a day where I was like fat. And you're like, bro, get out of here. You're not fat. 
and change oh. me for that. So, <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say you're just tall enough that you could probably use my dog as a horse. That's true. This is very true. <laughs> I've tried, and your dog did not like that. Um, he's but do you like, guys ever? He's, he's like five two, and my dog is like giant. So, I uh, dude, I'm 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 like five four. Close enough. Well, look, get Whatever. out of here. Uh, Close enough. Do you guys ever find that like you guys have like days where like for as much progress as it feels like you make, like you just feel like you just backstepped a little bit? Oh, 100%. Like on, I wouldn't say like on the daily, but yeah, I mean, I start, I struggle with depression. So I have days that are a little darker than others. And um, I'll get on a kick of like, I'm just not doing is where I compare myself too much to others and I'm like I'm not doing enough I don't have time to do as much as they can the stuff I make is stupid um like I could really just go on a big like self-deprecating spiral um and have moments of feeling like you know, throwing my hands up and being like I'm done I don't want to do anymore it's too much um so yeah, I do definitely have times where it sucks, but I think that's also why I lean a lot into the comedy because that's how I deal with my stresses. So um, it helps. <laughs> it might be a coping mechanism, but it helps me. So I mean, my biggest issue is I just like food too much and I cook really well. <laughs> yeah, so... you do. <laughs> Can attest. Last time Josh came over, I just got done smoking a chicken. Nice. Stop, you're making me hungry. I'm rec we're recording this before I've eaten dinner. I love so. food. <laughs> so that's, I know what my issue is. And I know where the problem comes from and it's just sometimes it's hard to put down a fork when something tastes that good and oh. I have, haven't been able to fix that problem yet so I just deal with it I will also say too that like one of the another movie that like I grew up on that I feel like has really kind of like also mellowed me out with School of Rock and there is a scene in there where one of the students is a plus size and she's like struggling with like body image issues and Jack Black also being also plus size is like, it's, it's cool, man. Like I, I, when I get out there, people love me, but here's the thing is that like, I love food and I'm going to do what makes me happy regardless of it. And I just, I think that's such a, like a, a beautiful, like way to kind of like wrap that portion of the conversation up because it's like Mark, Mark's, you know, Mark's a great cook and <laughs> Mark's wife is, is heavily blessed to be eating Mark's food seven days Amazing. a week. Um, but you know, it also comes back to that, that statement from school of rock is that like, it's okay to have like the best of both worlds. I mean, I do have some pork chops marinating right now, <laughs> and a bag of charcoal on my back porch. All right, I'm I'm Incredible. I'm coming down. I'll be, I'll be there in a I'll be there in a few hours, Mark. <laughs> Give me like a day and a half because I'll probably have to stop and sleep. 
<laughs> I mean, I did it in 14 hours, so and you're two hours closer. This is true. And I had a dog in the true. back seat I had to stop for. So you don't have any excuse. Get to driving. Chop chop. And I think that's another reason why I love the end of Frankenhooker, even though it's like completely outrageous, but it's just the ultimate revenge on, okay, you made me look this way. I'm going to make you look this way and see how you feel with, you know, a body that you didn't choose to have and you'll be happy because we'll be together. Right. So was yeah. it really an act of revenge or was it an act of this was the only way I could have my man back? I took it as a as an act of revenge because it's the same right. with the hookers kind of going after Zorro and their misshapenness, yeah. um, <laughs> which, which is fantastic. Such a great scene. I take it as uh. it, as much as it's trying to be like she also wants to be with him. It's kind of also like, you know, you kind of screwed me over. So um, you get the same. And, you know, we're just all going to live together. (laughs) Happy little family. (laughs) See, I read it as a bit of both. Like, I I definitely understand, like, where Mark's coming from, but I also understand where where Brittany's coming from. And, like, I I, I think that it is, uh, you know, like, she is revenge, but, like, also at the same time, like, you know, they want to be together. Um. But the first time that I like watched that movie, like watch watch this movie and that scene came on and like camera slowly pans out. I was like, oh my god. Like I, I felt like that like that separation from your manhood like deep in, in my bowels and I was like, Oh, nope, nope. Super uncomfortable. <laughs> but you know, she Patty Mullen got her revenge and that's all that matters. And it's kind of referencing back to like Bride of Frankenstein, where she wasn't really wanting to be with him and it was terrifying. So you kind of see that with Jeffrey, where he's just freaking out and she's like, but I love you and we're going to be together. It's like, it's too much. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree. I think that, um, you know, like it is, uh, it's it's kind of, yeah, like, let's say it's a great scene. Um, I also love the the scene that like precedes it with the like the hooker bits and yes. uh, getting their revenge on <laughs> on Zoro. Like, uh, just like that scene is like just so like campy and like creepy enough that like it's the vibrancy I think really works in its favor. Yes, I love all the goo and <laughs> slime and just however they create the different embodiments of putting parts together kind of like the thing where it's just like different stuff it's fabulous (laughs) just morphed into some sort of creature yeah and the way the parts just fuse to each other magically which (laughs) one of the best scenes what is it like the so like the torso that's like upside down or it's like a, a head that's mouth. upside down and the yeah. mouth is like at the top. Yeah, it's like a crotch mouth on yes. a torso with, <laughs> with feet for arms. And it's like, is that a monster or somebody's fantasy? Look, you, it, 
I, I've come to this realization that like I told my wife this that like the next like cake that she makes, like, you know, give it be for Christmas, a, a party, my birthday. I just need her to put like fake human teeth in in the cake because no matter what you do, if you put fake human teeth in any cake, it just auto or like any surface really, it just automatically looks creepy as fudge. Like, dude, <laughs> forget, forget about it. All right. Well, I will wrap this up with one more trivia. So this movie cost a whopping $1.5 million, making it Holland Lauder's, uh, Helen, Helen and Lauder's most expensive uh, film at the time. But there were some budgetary issues. The producers told them that they used up all of the allotted funds for the pyrotechnics during the exploding hooker scene, which he replied, how the heck am I going to film the lab scene? He ended up calling it a favor to do some, quote, unlicensed pyrotechnics, end quote. For the shoot, Lawrence recalls the guy finishing up the set and telling me, don't worry, it's maybe safe. Uh, exploding hookers. <laughs> I love that all of their like their budget for this movie went to that like one particular scene. And like I'm I'm curious if it's like did they just spend, the, did they go dumpster diving for mannequins and just spend it all for explosives? Is that how they pulled that off? That's what this like trivia bit reminds me of. Like I but then like I'm also like, what happened to like the two guys that like Elizabeth like tried to woo? Uh, in the hotel and in the bar, like, does that also count for that pyrotechnics, uh, budget or no? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, who knows? Well, <laughs> that, I think that's gonna yeah, do the, it for the hooker scene. Was, yeah, it's, it's a so blast. Great. I love that scene. It was I, classy. It is classy. That- for them to keep it an R rating, it could only be six hookers exploding instead of seven. Because they did originally have seven, so they had to knock one out. So that is also that's that's funny to me. It's it's kind of almost like I don't know if you guys know this. This is uh, a random fact for you, but apparently in Texas, it is illegal to own more than six dildos. So I didn't I know, know that. <laughs> I don't know how you registrate that, but uh I also don't know like what the difference between like a sixth naked girl and a seventh naked girl is for the MPAA. But yeah, you know, apparently it's the number of boobs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. There's a yeah. lot in that movie. And on that note, I think this is going to do it for us on this exploding uh, conversation on Frank and Hooker. Uh, but Brittany, where can people follow you online? You can follow me on TikTok and Instagram and now on threads at the same handle. Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y dot Bunicula, B-U-N-N-I-C-U-L-A. And that's where you can find me. Yeah, we'll provide a link in the descriptions below. Uh, Mark, where can people follow you? I am painting again, finally. Should have some new stuff up soon. 
don't give me shit, child. <laughs> I mailed it. It's already in. It's already on the way to you. <laughs> um, I have my miniature painting on Instagram. Um, just uh, I should be updating soon. I finally got everything up. I'm working on a kind of a warm-up model because I haven't painted in a few months because of moving and all that crap. Uh, but uh, titanium juggernaut painting on Instagram. The Instagram. Nice. All right. Well, I am only active on Letterboxd, so you guys can go to uh, follow me at Captain Nostalgia. Uh, I sometimes dabble in TikTok. I'm, I'm not like Brittany. I'm not <laughs> not my main source so uh go listen to past episodes to find my handle but you guys can follow us a gazing wherever you guys get your podcasts from and you guys can follow our parent company we're on uh victims and villains we're on facebook instagram twitter threads youtube and wherever you guys get your podcasts from so until next time remember that the longer you gaze into the abyss more the abyss gazes back into you.